Welcome to the Gospel Matrescence Podcast. Matrescence, the physical, mental, spiritual, and emotional transformation women go through when becoming a mother. This developmental stage of life is as powerful and irreversible as adolescence, and yet few women have ever heard of it. Our communities have little to no rites of passage to celebrate or prepare for it, but here, at Gospel Matrescence, we apply a biblical worldview to the beautiful and sometimes painful metamorphosis of motherhood. Come, let's navigate motherhood together. This is Andy, and welcome to the Gospel Matrescence Podcast. Today um, is episode six, and we are going to start an eight-part series, taking a little time to look at each of the eight pillars of healthy thriving matrescence. Um, on the website, we do have a um, matrescence quiz that will walk you through each of the eight pillars, but I thought it would be helpful just to spend a little time digging deeper into each of these components or foundation stones of our matrescence health. And so the eight pillars are spiritual is number one, identity, emotional, physical, sexual, mental, parenting and ministry. So over the next um, eight weeks, we're going to um, do a little bit of a deep dive. If you're just joining us, it might be helpful to go back to the beginning and get a big picture of what matrescence is and how we are applying the gospel to the process of matrescence. But today we're going to, we're going to dig into truly the foundation stone upon which the other seven are built. And that is this concept of your spiritual health, having a deep abiding, life-giving connection to God. And I'm going to read you some statements. And these statements would be true of a mom who is walking in victory in this area. And as I read them, just let them wash over your mind um, as you meditate and do some self-evaluation that where am I with God? What is my spiritual health at this point? So listen to these statements. One, I have a deep sense of connection to Jesus Christ through God the Father. I have a habit of reading God's word multiple times each week. I enjoy engaging in worship and prayer on a weekly or daily basis. I belong to a local church where I experience connection with fellow believers. I have confidence in my salvation and forgiveness of sins because of the work of Jesus. I do not feel like adverse childhood experiences have clouded the way I view God. Unfinished conflict and past pain do not interfere with my ability to engage with God and the local church, and I feel confident that I can paint a clear picture of Christianity to my children. So as I read those statements, some of you may may be yes and amening them, and others of you may be thinking, oh my, those are not true in my life. Those are not functioning on a day-to-day basis. And so I just want to begin by sharing a little bit of a testimony of my motherhood journey and how my connection with God grew through the trials that I experienced as a young mom. So when... um Backing up maybe 10, 12 years ago, uh, when I was in the throes or the trenches of motherhood, um, somebody had given me a book and um, it had an analogy in it that 
truly I probably think of on a weekly basis. So that's what I call a living idea. When somebody shares something with you and you just can't shake it, you can't get it off your mind. And um, this book is called Fit to Burst. It's written by Rachel Jankovic. And the, the subtitle is Abundance, Mayhem, and the Joys of Motherhood. And I remember just looking at the title and thinking, wow, that's a really accurate title. I, in, in many ways, I feel a lot of abundance in my life, but I also feel a lot of mayhem and chaos in my life as a mom. And so in one of the chapters, um, she has what, what she calls the milkshake analogy. And the title of this chapter is When the Milkshake Runs Low. So let me read a small excerpt of this. See if this resonates with you as a mom. Have you ever noticed that when there is more than one straw in a milkshake glass, everyone sucks faster? Everyone knows that they're competing, and every sit by someone else means less for you. People start breathing through their noses to minimize lost time. I have felt for a long time that little children have straws that tap directly into their mom's energy. The milkshake cup is me, and the milkshake is my energy, and every child is armed with a straw. Infants who are either in the womb or nursing have a competitive edge, and they get to take as much as they want before the milkshake even hits the glass. When the glass is full, things are pretty pleasant. No matter how much milkshake the kids are drinking, there's still some left. It feels pretty good. I am happy to feed them all. But when I'm down to the last inch of milkshake, all the straws start making this horrible noise as they swab around in the bottom of the glass looking for anything they could snag. They all feel the panic of limited supply. They all start getting intense and sucking much, much harder. They are panicked. I'm getting panicked. I want everybody to stop so I can have a cha chance to whip up a new batch. But no one stops because they are trying to get the last of the film off the bottom of the glass, leaving nothing behind. The demands for your attention and energy as a mom get suddenly loud and obnoxious when you feel like there isn't anything left to give. The truth is, your children aren't demanding anything different than what they were made to need. Usually, when they use the straw, they get fed. But right now... When they use the straw, mom gets snappy. Of course, the ideal of motherhood would be to never run out of milkshake, to come up with strategies for sensing when it's going to run low, to start noticing what time of the day seems to be happening and taking preventative measures. In a perfect world, we wouldn't even need to think about it because the milkshake would just replenish itself at intervals. But this is the real world, the real, fallen, messy, difficult world. Every mother deals with having an empty glass and a bunch of straws almost every day. And while practice and training and preventative measures might make things flow a little more smoothly, they won't necessarily make things easier. It's simply going to be a lot of hard work. So when I read that as a young mom, something resonated deeply within me. The thought that, that I was a milkshake glass and that I was filled with love and grace and the meeting of my children's needs and that I wanted to nourish them. I wanted, um, I understood what she said, that they're not doing anything that they weren't made to do. They're made to depend on me for life and for encouragement and for nourishment. Um, and I remember thinking, you know what? It's not my children. It's not just my children that have straws in my milkshake cup. <laughs> I think my husband has a couple in there too, and maybe the local church and maybe a couple 
close friends and I feel like everybody's drinking out of my milkshake cup and that there are times when that noise, that desperate sucking because the milkshake cup is running low, that that noise starts increasing and I start feeling panicked thinking, um, I'm happy to feed you all. I'm happy to encourage you and nourish you. But who's going to refill my glass? Who's going to nurture the nurturer? Who's going to pour into me? And and I think in a perfect world, there would be lots of sources that would be pouring into me. Um, but the truth is, there's times that my husband couldn't pour into me because he was going through a hard season of his own, or I didn't have really strong life-giving friends that were pouring into me. And so I remember just going to God and thinking, Lord, What is your plan? If you designed the children to need me to drink from my cup, whose cup do I drink from? And I think, of course, the answer is I drink from the cup of Christ. I I drink from his living water, that he is the one that pours into me and refills my milkshake so that I can freely give as I freely received. But what happens when I don't feel connected to God? What happens when a mother doesn't feel like she has that constant inflow of the mercy and the grace and the joy of the Lord into her life so that all she feels day after day after day is the sound of other people drinking from her milkshake and the knowledge that her energy, her drive, her love tank is just running on fumes constantly. And so I want to bring some ideas to you um, that might help you rethink the way your milkshake gets full. Because I remember I spent lots of years kind of like maybe what I call a milkshake victim, (laughs) walking around thinking, who's going to fill my milkshake? Who's going to nurture me? And that is a, a big question a lot of women ask as they're going through the process of matrescence is, I'm here to nurture others. I'm here to direct and to love them. But who's going to nurture me? Who's going to pour into me? And maybe you are blessed to have a very nurturing mother who even still pours into you as you get older. But for most of us, we don't really have maybe a husband who understands the needs of his wife. Um, And so we need first to be filled through Christ. And so um, I'm going to ask you to consider this idea, and it might sound a little strange at first, but God as a nurturing mother to you. And, you know, we have so many examples of God the Father, and obviously in Scripture, the the, um, comparison of God the Father is paramount. We see it probably hundreds of times through scripture, but I'm going to bring up um, a handful of verses. And I would argue that there's about eight to 10 verses in the Bible that show us that God is a nurturing mother and that he really can fill your milkshake cup up. And so let's just do a quick run through of the scriptures that um, the Bible shows us that there is, yes, there's a father heart of God, but there is also a mother heart of God. So we're going to start in Genesis 1:27. We have um, the description of creation and that um, man and woman was created as God's reflection in his divine image. He created them male and female. God made them. And so we see this idea that if women are made an image of God, there must be something <laughs> 
feminine about God. There must be something nurturing about God. It's not just mankind, men, males that were made in God's image, but females were made in God's image. So we want to dig into that and see what else does the Bible tell us about the image of God and how it can be reflected through a nurturing mother. Um, in Hosea 11, three through four, we see God described as a mother. And it, God says, I, it was I who taught Ephraim to walk. I took them up in my arms, but they did not know that I had healed them. I led them with cords of human kindness, with bands of love. I was to them like those who lift infants. I bent down and I fed them. So God describes himself as a mother caring for Ephraim. In Hosea 13, 8, we see it again. Um, we see this analogy like a bear who's robbed of her cubs. I will tear them asunder. So a mama bear is a fierce thing. And here God is comparing himself like to a mama bear. If you take my cubs from me, I will tear you apart. I will bring justice to that. Deuteronomy 32, 11 through 12, we see God described as a, a mother eagle, like an eagle that stirs up his nest and hovers over the young. It's young. God spreads his wings to carry you on pinions. So we have a mother eagle who's spreading the wings over the baby eagle in the nest. And God shows us that that is part of his identity and what he does for us. Um, we see in Deuteronomy 32, 18, God actually gives birth. Um, the God who gave you birth is the phrase that's used there. Isaiah 66, 13 um, gives us this beautiful picture. As a mother comforts her child, so I will comfort you. You shall be comforted in Jerusalem. So God compares himself to a mother. In Isaiah 49, 15, God compares himself to a nursing mother. Can a woman forget her nursing child or show no compassion for the child of her womb? Even these may forget, but I will not forget you. We see in Psalm 131, God also gives a really beautiful picture of um, it kind of charging us to calm and quiet our soul. And this analogy, like a weaned child sitting with his mother, my soul, the psalmist, the writer of the soul, is weaned like that child within me. And I look to God. I put my hope in the Lord, both now and forever, because the Lord is the mother who's comforting the weaned child. Um, we see another example in Psalm 123. God compares himself to a woman um, as the eyes of a servant looks to the hands of a master, as the eyes of a maid to the hands of her mistress. So our eyes look to you, Yahweh. Show us your mercy. And then we also see this in the New Testament in Matthew 23, 37 and Luke 13, 34. God compares himself to a mother hen. Um, Jesus says this, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills its prophets and stones those who are sent to it. How often I desire to gather you as my children together as a hen would gather her, her children under her wings. But you were not willing to have me gather you. So here we see that God is like a mother hen wanting to get the children in close and protect them. And then finally, we see another example in Luke 15, 8 through 10, where there's a woman who's looking for her lost coin and God compares himself that we are the lost coin and God comes and looks for us. And so we see all these images of the mother heart of God. And I know we can get tangled up in all of the gender confusion and this claim that God doesn't have a gender, but the truth is, 
there's something reflected. The feminine and the masculine is reflected in the person of who God is. And, and I think if we can meditate on these verses, then we can feel like, you know, often that feeling of I'm the mother, but nobody's mothering me. We can look to God as this nurturing source in our life that can replenish our milkshake, that can pour his grace and his, his mercy into us and his love into us so that we have something to be refilled with. And um, I just want to challenge you as we wrestle with these eight pillars, this first pillar, the spiritual, deep, abiding, life-giving connection to God, that there's something very profound about understanding the heart of God and understanding that mothering, nurturing, protective mama bear side of God who will go to battle for us, who is on our side, who fills us with strength, who gives us his joy to be our strength in our mothering journey. And that is my prayer for you that you, as you dig into this and try to get to know God as he describes himself in scripture, that we wouldn't be afraid to see this part of God. And that if there is a block that's preventing you from going to that source, from crawling under the shadow of his wings, from sitting on his lap like that peaceful weaned child would rest upon a mama's chest, um, from feeling like that baby cub that's got an advocate that would go to battle for a mama bear that would fight for her if she was in danger. That is what God offers to us as mothers. And so I want to close by reading you a poem. And, um, it's a poem that taps into these images in scripture of God as our mother. And um, this poem is written by Alison Woodward, Woodard, and um, it compares a lot of the things we experience as a mother to what Christ experienced on our behalf. It uses a lot of phrases that you're going to recognize from scripture and, um, and shows us kind of that other side of God that we are, that we can connect with because of the work that we do as a nurturing mother, giving up our bodies on behalf of our children, feeding our children, nurturing our children, um, being willing to do difficult things, being willing to exhaust our energy to let our milkshake be drunk from so that those around us can have life. So um, just listen to this poem and the beauty. And as I read it, I just pray that the spirit of God would refresh you, that you would, he would give you hope that he can refill your milkshake and that you can, whether you are connected to God today or not, but that there is a source of life available for you. So here's the poem. To be a mother is to suffer, to travail in the dark, stretched and torn, exposed sometimes in half-naked humiliation, subjected to indignities for the sake of new life. To be a mother is to say, this is my body, broken for you. And in the next instant, in response to the created's primal hunger, this is my body, take and eat. To be a mother is to self-empty, to neither slumber nor sleep. So attuned you are to the cries in the night, offering the comfort of yourself and assurances of I'm here. To be a mother is to weep over the fighting and exclusions and the wounds your children inflict sometimes on one another, to long for reconciliation and brotherly love. And when it is said and done, to gather all parties, the offender and the offended, in the folds of your embrace and to whisper into their ears that they are your beloved. 
To be a mother is to be vulnerable, to be misunderstood, rallied against, blamed for the heartaches of the bewildered children who don't know where else to cast the angst that they feel over their own existence in this perplexing universe. To be a mother is to hoist onto your hips those whom your image is imprinted, bearing the burden of their weight, rejoicing in their returned affection, delighting in their wonder, and bleeding at the presence of their pain. To be a mother is to be accused of sentimentality one moment and injustice the next, to be the receiver of endless demands, absorber of perpetual complaints, and reckoner of bottomless needs. To be a mother is to be an artist, a keeper of memories past, weaver of stories untold, visionaries of lives looming ahead. To be a mother is to be the first voice listened to and the first to be disregarded. To be a mender of broken creations and a comforter of distraught children whose hands wrought them. To be a mother is to be a touchstone and a source, bestower of names, influencer of identities, life giver, life shaper, empath, healer, and original love. So I pray as you let some of these concepts just simmer in your soul that God would reveal himself to you as your nurture, as your source, as the life giver that would fill up your love tank and fill up your milkshake glass so that you could also turn and be a life giver to others, to be a comforter to them, to let your body be used on their behalf and to be that source of encouragement, nourishment, knowing full well that you have an endless supply that is Christ pouring back into you. So I pray that this would encourage you and lift you up. And I encourage you to take some time just to meditate on the scriptures that I shared and pray that prayer and ask God to reveal himself to you as the life-giving nourisher that will fill your tank so that you can fill up others. Have a great week.